Welcome to the Buyer's Desk, an Infra podcast. Discover expert buying strategies, merchandising tips, and category management secrets. Dive into the latest spins insights and hear from independent natural food retailers on their strategies and best practices. We unravel the incredible stories behind the products directly from brand founders, makers, formulators, educators, and inventors. Get ready to explore the world of natural food retail. Hey folks, and thanks for joining us on season two of The Buyer's Desk. I am Chris Sorensen, Promotions Program Manager. And I'm Angela Bozo, Director of Member Programs, and we are your hosts. And welcome back. We hope you all had a fantastic holiday season, and now you're ready to dive into the exciting trade show season of 2024. Just a few weeks, the first trade show of the year will open its doors, and then from there, it's a nonstop flood of shows throughout the year. So thinking about trade shows, Angela, first, you know, I know you put on the Infra Conference tabletop trade show. It is one of my favorite. I really enjoy it, connecting with members, and I know you do too, but I want to know outside of that show that you put so much work into. What is your favorite show? Well, thank you so much for the kind words and for the caveat, because if you didn't say it, I was going to have to say it. And I don't, I'm don't. i okay with my answer being a little cliche today. Like, I love me some Expo West, maybe because it was one of the first trade shows I went to when I was a young buyer. Uh, Maybe because it is such a humongous show. Maybe because it does this awesome job at balancing retailer and brand education, along with just an extensive floor. I mean, there is sincerely something there for everyone. But I'm also going to make it my favorite. Not that you asked me for my list of reasons why, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Uh, But it's also my favorite because as much as I love the trade show for all of the amazing show deals and all of the things that really do further people's business, I also love the networking opportunity. I love seeing people that I worked with for 15 years. I am totally comfortable with the fact that this is a very small industry and we're all going to see each other a bunch of times because, you know, whoever is out there listening, I'm so excited to see you soon or in 10 years, however that works out. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. And so just like, you know, just like continuing to make those connections, you know, seeing people jump around brands and retailers and, you know, all the things like so much fun. Yeah. No, I even think back to the first show I ever went to and it's like you walk in wide eyed and start packing bags full of product and sell sheets and it it's intense. Right. And thinking of that at Expo West, which is like the times 10 or 100 of any other trade show out there, it can be a lot. So it's, you know, for, for those of us who are maybe more on the introverted side, some of the, the smaller shows might be on the favorites list. But I think especially when you've had some time in the industry and made those connections, the Expo West is is top notch for sure. Well, I appreciate the validation, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure our friends at New Hope Network will love love us plugging that. Which is a pretty great segue to some of the conversations we had this episode. Yeah. Well, we did things a little bit differently. You know, Angela and I co-interviewed on each other's segments. So I started out with chatting with Adrian and Jessica from New Hope Network's Naturalist podcast, and we wanted to find out a little bit more about Newtopia now with Expo East going away. Um, We wanted to learn about that setup and really what independent retailers can expect from that experience. And then I joined Angela on some of hers. And what, what do you got going on? 
Well, you got to announce that we were on season two when we started. So I would just like to say here, I think it's so cool that on the first episode of season two, we collaborated on both of our normal segments. That was totally unintentional. But as I'm listening to you talk about it today, I'm like, heck yeah, season two, kick it out with all collaboration. So you and I both got the pleasure of interviewing Amy Clark, who worked at Kehi and has a really fascinating natural foods career trajectory. But first, we're going to hear from Billy at Save Naturally, a coupon startup working to serve the natural industry. Hello, my name is Billy Jones, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of the instant cost savings platform, Save Naturally. We are a free platform for retailers where product manufacturer coupons can streamline directly to your end customer simply by your customer entering their phone number at checkout. This allows those product manufacturer coupons to stack right on top of your current loyalty program without the need for your customer to download an app or digitally clip a coupon. We eliminate the coupon clearinghouse so you no longer need to deal with the hassle of collecting coupons or coupons that were redeemed and gone missing. You also won't need to pay for a coupon collecting service. Drive to a post office or mail the coupons just to be told you don't have enough postage. We all know these steps are ridiculous just to get reimbursed for some coupons. Save Naturally provides objective sales reporting based on coupons used so we can reimburse you, the retailer, automatically and you can reconcile used coupons accurately. Again, our instant cost savings platform is free to retailers. This also means no setup fees and we only work with the most important channel in the industry, independents and co-ops. Retailers, you can find us at www.savenaturally.com. Save Naturally, hassle-free coupons. Hello, I'm Jim Olson, Spins Retail Insights Manager for Infra, here with a rundown of what's happening on the data side of the natural foods industry. Well, the holiday season is over, which can only mean one thing. Trade show season is coming. While show-specific preparation is important, so too is understanding the larger retail landscape and what's to come for brands and retailers in the new year. Luckily, Spins is here to help. With such a big topic to tackle, I called in reinforcements in the form of Spins Senior Retail Insights Manager, Jessica Maniscalco. Jess, thanks so much for joining me today on the Buyer's Desk. Well, thanks for having me. I'm always happy to come and talk to Infra. I just love the passion that the whole team has for the industry and really trying to help their shoppers learn and educate them on how to live healthier lives. Absolutely. Same here. <laughs> Preach that all day. Uh, now, you've worked on all sides of the consumer packaged goods industry for the better part of two decades now, uh, most recently supporting the retail side of things. What's one big thing you saw in the retail landscape this past year? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that I've seen change in the landscape is there are there's been a big shift in the landscape of retailers that are setting themselves apart, creating destinations and entertainment versus just driving shopping trips. And what I mean for that is really driving excitement in stores. So for example, do you hear in August about Cobra's Daily Harvest Taylor Swift giveaway that they had? No, but I love anything T-Swift. <laughs> Me too. So what they did was they expanded their offerings into Harris Teeter and Kroger supermarkets for the first time. And to try to drive some excitement around that, they gave away 20 VIP suite tickets, uh, which, you know, was so popular and a very hard ticket to get uh, in their L.A. arena last stop of the tour. And to enter into that and try to win them, what you had to do was you had to video yourself in the frozen food aisle, dancing around, strutting your stuff. But you had to also tag Daily Harvest and Kroger. So just a fun way to spend some extra time dancing around, asking, hey, what are you doing? What are you looking at in the frozen food aisle? But just 
entertainment in a different kind of way. But all that's to say is, aside from just some fun action that's going around in the store like that, one big misconception is that since COVID, a lot of people think that people switched from just online grocery shopping and stayed there. People aren't coming back to the stores. When in reality, still, in fact, about 70% of shoppers are physically going into the stores and wanting to interact. So empowered retailers are finding fun ways to drive that excitement and make it really a, a fun thing to get customers to come in. Yeah, I mean, that speaks my language. As you know, I had a recent foot injury and I've been stuck at home, but I am definitely one of those people who much prefer in-person shopping as opposed to the online shopping I've been forced to do. And so I love that stores are trying different things to uh, just kind of change that that shopping experience. What are some other examples of, of stores that you've seen really kind of nail this this concept? Yeah, there's there's tons of examples that are present in market right now. And by the way, I hope your your foot's feeling better. Uh, but retailers are really putting themselves out there to experiment and really be the ones that shoppers are counting on a, a fun time and, and somewhere that they want to be when they do head to the store in 2024. And those are the ones that are going to win. So nine out of 10 shoppers right now are willing to pay a premium for a higher end customer experience and know that it's going to be consistent every time. So it could be things like live music, a hot bar offering, you know, a beverage while the customer shops. But really investing in the journey can command a little bit higher price point too. So when we think about it, what makes a retailer a destination versus a shopping trip? And the experience is a big part of that. So take, for example, Heinen's. Their website lists their in-store offerings and kind of that experience to include all these things. So they have beer on draft. They have wine by the glass while you walk around, live music, made from scratch pizzas, hot to order subs, tacos. You can pick up catering while you're there, sushi. So that's all great and really exciting things. We also see other retailers trying to create um, consistent engagement points with opportunities to serve them even between shopping trips. So it's not even so much just we want you to come in once a week, you know, every so many days, but how do we really create touch points throughout your week to help you out? So it could be restaurants, carry out ghost kitchens, things like that. But also what we're doing right now, podcast, how do we create points of education that are going to help you out in your day to day or even spaces in cafes? I know there's several employees that our company spins that work through work at different grocery stores instead of renting office space. Or if you're going to need a friend, do you have a cafe or an area where you can just sit and hang out even if I don't need to purchase groceries? So really making it a friendly space. Love that. Yeah, I, uh, I fully see what you're saying. Now, Infra, as you know, uh, the membership spine spans a wide berth. There's some folks with multiple locations, really big footprints, and some are definitely more size or, or space restricted. Could they still kind of follow this empowered retailer path and, and tap into this trend? Or, and what would that look like for them? Yes, absolutely. And I can definitely appreciate that the space component can be a challenge. But there's certainly other aspects to being an empowered retailer. Um, some of the things to also consider when you think about those destination retailers are offerings and really discovery while you're in store. So if you think about that, that's really comprised of two different things. The everyday offerings that you have are a big part of that and really what that looks like as you're walking through the store. So when you're walking through the store, especially at an infra store, you want to make sure that your natural organic offerings are integrated and very easy to find. So that can be a big part as you're going through. Also with the education piece of understanding 
what's available in the case of different callouts in the meat department, for example, what does a certification stand for or what are the different standards when it comes to grades of meats? Also different exclusive offerings. So if there are private label offerings at a certain retailer, are those exclusive to that retailer? Are the offerings very unique that you couldn't get at any other spot? Do you have brands that are working with you that are giving you exclusive products that are only available at your store? Or take a retailer like Fresh Time. They have their great juices that they only offer in their store. They're such a, a trip driver, I know for me at least. The other thing could be innovation. So innovation is great and such a powerful tool to get shoppers to engage. And what does that look like in terms of the types of products and trends that you are going to provide your shoppers with in terms of that experience? Another great thing that has come into play, I think specifically in the past year is personalization aspect as well. So that one size fits all strategy is kind of a thing of the past in any way that you can think of personalization, whether that be a loyalty program, different promotions by category or department to make it specific to your retail location or your customer base, and really identifying shelf tags that are gonna resonate with your shoppers' lifestyles those are all going to be key ways that you can be a, a empowered retailer in today's market. Some of that things you mentioned really hit the nose, you know, in terms of what infra's strengths are. Uh, in my opinion, you know, that, that customer service, that in in aisle service, that knowledge, uh, you know, the uh, infra staffers are, I think, some of the, the smartest and most well-rounded in terms of industry knowledge uh, across across the country. And then that, that innovation too, you mentioned, I love that because I really think infra and, and infra members lead the way. You know, they're the ones willing to take those chances on those early brands. And I think that's an absolute strength of, of what the, the association has. Absolutely. Um, now, speaking to of brands and innovation and things to look for, uh, you gave a lot of great advice, but uh, one final big question for you today. Could you send us off with a couple big trends to watch for in 2024? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I know that we have a, a trends piece that recently has been published specifically for our great retailers with our full predictions for the new year. And our marketing team's also going to have our full predictions coming out in January. But some some quick hits off off the top here. I know health some health focused um, attributes that's going to continue to be very important for shoppers, um, specifically digestion, energy, and performance benefits, and really anything around hydration and creatine. I think creatine, especially in women's health, in general for entire store. I think also anything focused on regenerative practices, the farming anything with water footprint and then circular packaging. I think those are all going to be uh, very important and especially younger shoppers, that is definitely top of mind for them. And then in general, I, I know all shoppers are moving to wanting that education piece that you just hit on and really simplified messaging and information around transparency in their purchases. So that's gonna be an important one as well. Excellent, excellent information. Well, I'm so excited for our retailer partners to take these tips and, and run wild with them in the new year. Thank you so much, Jess, for your fantastic insights today. Uh, I hope all of our retailer partners feel empowered and informed with the combined support of Infra and Spins in the new year. Uh, wishing you all great success in 2024. And as always, we'll see you at the show. Well, I love that interview with Jim and Jessica. You know, one thing Angela I took away from that was, you know, Jessica talking about stores being a destination versus a shopping trip, and that's where stores are going to win. And I think, you know, we've talked about, you know, destination categories. I think even in our last episode, Adam Stark talked about 
having destination products, you know, but I think refocusing on the, you know, stores being a destination is something that I think our retailers are set up really well for. I think being rooted in their community and having this, the connection to the people within their community set them up really well to be that destination. You know, it's a gathering place usually in these, in these communities and neighborhoods. And so I think just doing some small little tweaks and little things and events and, you know, having the live music like Jessica talked about could all be little things that could kind of spark that gathering and really bring people together and, and make it that destination. And uh, the co-op that I worked at, when we opened our new store, I started, the, the co-op is Lakewinds Food Co-op. I started Lakewinds Live and I booked an acoustic act to play in our cafe every Wednesday. It was the slowest day of the week. We were trying to boost sales. We paid the musicians in $50 co-op gift cards and they'd come back and you know shop at our store and spend some extra money. So it kind of worked for us. It worked for them. It was a great synergy, but you know, the shoppers really loved it. You know, people didn't necessarily stay for the full, you know, show or anything, but they'd stop by for a, a song or two and you could hear the music while you're shopping throughout the store and people commented how much they loved it. And it just felt like a fun community. You wouldn't hear that in a conventional like big box store. But yeah, you know, I think little things like that work for our members and we don't necessarily have to go the big way of providing Taylor Swift tickets. I don't think that's really in, in our realm <laughs> or fits well with our stores. And I don't think it works with our model. It's it's the little community stuff that I think uh, really works for our stores. But yeah, what are your thoughts on on that interview? Oh, well, I did like that she gave us a really lovely platform to talk about a couple of trends. I, of course, am always interested in the education piece. You know, how many different ways can retailers decide to do that? And it's actually interesting. It kind of juxtaposes what you're talking about, that destination place. Our retailers are uniquely positioned to experiment with all kinds of interesting events. So live music is great. It kind of adds to the vibe. We all know that music in the store in general is going to affect the energy, but you know, what kind of interesting events could a retailer decide to put on as well that would kind of encourage some of that other trend piece of like discovery and education. And I, there's a lot you can do there. And I think to your point, a lot of it can be really community specific and can really acknowledge to the community that the retailer understands where they live and understands their shopper. And then, you know, tries to to create events and experiences that will work for them. Um, having worked at a larger store, you know, we had things that would work for some of our stores that wouldn't work for other of our stores. And I don't know, some of that experimentation can be really fun. Like, did this resonate? Did it boost sales? Did we at least have a store full of super happy, interested people today? Like, yeah, that's a cool ROI. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, we did a kids event too, where, you know, kids would do face painting and stuff like that. So yeah, you can do all kinds of stuff to that. But but I know we got more going on today. And what's the next thing you have coming up for us? Well, next up is our conversation with Amy Clark from Kehi. We talk about her career in natural grocery, and she gives us actually quite a few takes on both trade show strategy, her prediction for 2024 trends, and like just generally, it was a really fantastic conversation to talk to somebody that has worn so many hats in the natural food industries. But first, we're going to hear from Regina at Gaia Herbs, a brand committed to forming relationships with independent retailers at trade shows. Hi, I'm Regina Ruisi, Marketing Manager with Gaia Herbs, and I'm here to talk about trade shows. As leaders in the herbal supplement industry for more than 36 years, Gaia Herbs believes trade shows are our chance to connect with industry partners and have conversations with our peers about how we're raising quality and transparency standards within the industry. From our organic certified farm in North Carolina to our pillars of purity, potency, and transparency, we believe in doing things the right way to give consumers quality options for their wellness routines. 
we invite you to stop by our booth at Expo West this March to learn more about our lineup of new and innovative herbal supplements hitting shelves in 2024. Learn more about why Gaia herbs are the hardest working herbs on earth at www.gaiaherbs.com. Hi, it's Angela. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. I am thrilled to introduce today Amy Clark, Account and Fresh Program Manager at KEHI for Infra. How are you doing today, Amy? I am good. How are you guys? Yeah, pretty good, too. Doing well. Awesome. So our episode today is about trade shows. And I'm actually particularly interested to talk to you. Not only can you represent this distributor side, but you have also had all kinds of interesting brand roles in your grocery career. So actually, maybe it would be helpful. Could you do just a, a little introduction, who you are, where you've been, all the things? Sure. I started in the natural foods industry working for a little bitty organic food store in Spokane many years ago that friends of mine started. Way too small to ever be thinking about trade shows. And then spent went from there, spent 13 years at Huckleberries in Spokane. In the middle of that time, I worked for Kettle Foods when they were still independently owned. And the distributor landscape was a much, much different place. UNFI had four DCs on the East Coast and Kagi had two DCs in the Midwest. And then Went back to, to retail and then jumped to being a broker. I worked for Dynamic Presence for five years. I called on independence in eastern Washington, Montana, and then moved to Portland and started calling on New Seasons. And as a result of that relationship, came to Kehi when New Seasons signed on with Kehi as a primary distributor. And then was with Kehi for about four years, jumped around a little during the pandemic, worked for a couple other vendors and another broker. And then I came back to distribution, working with Infra. I love that. I feel like I so infrequently talk to everybody that's actually worn all three hats, like like all like the whole the whole chain. So very excited to get your perspective today. When I told you we were going to talk about trade shows, what was your initial reaction? I had to laugh. Uh, my very first trade show that I attended was a DPI trade show, which is kind of funny now that DPI is part of KEHI, but I was about six weeks in to my position managing a cheese and bakery program at Huckleberries. Never attended a trade show and boom, there I am at a buying show. And oh my goodness, when those orders came in six months to eight months later, it was just like, I had learned a lot about the physician since then, but I had no plan starting out. I mean, I didn't know. I had no idea what I was doing. I had nobody that was like mentoring me, telling me what I was doing. And it was, yeah, it was almost disastrous, but we pulled, we pulled through. We, we did fine. We moved through all the inventory and, you know, having the available deals and everything meant our margins were in good shape. But yeah, I, I, that was a huge learning experience. And if I can ever pass anything on to somebody, it would be like, you have to have a plan and know what you're getting into. So I still think back on like getting all this goat cheese like in the middle of November where, you know, when I was ordering it, it was like perfect time for goat cheese. And then November, not so much. Nope. I'm thinking about something completely different. So, Amy, I would I would ask, given all of your experience now going back, what what would you do differently? How would you plan differently for something like that? Oh, my goodness. I'd be having a lot more conversations about available promotions and deals with the vendors, which that was something I had no idea just coming from the grassroots way that I came up in the industry. would have mapped out my entire year as far as like what I should be looking at each month and making a plan to talk to the vendors about, you know, what I, you know, if I'm getting orders in in November, what really makes sense to be getting in in November? So 
from that level, like inventory selection, promo planning, for sure. That is definitely something I think that me personally, and I see a lot of retailers not taking full advantage of that when they go and attend a food show. That's kind of all over the place what people's objective is. But I, I did see somebody walk by me at Expo East and I, I honestly don't know who they were, but it was obviously an independent retailer and they were they just had that really bright eyed, shiny face like I did at my first trade show. You know, it's like, oh, let's go see this. And I was like, oh, but you guys, you could be doing yourselves more favors, you know, if you had a little bit of a plan, you know, because it's great seeing all the new items and the innovation that's coming out. I love that part of a trade show, but I, you know, the planning part is what really benefits any organization in the long run. So that part of the plan is balancing those two things, right? Like there's like this, because it's hard to talk about a trade show without also talking about all of the peer-to-peer connections, all of the kind of fun networking events. And yeah, to your point, like I am such a like brand nerd, like getting my selfie with those weird uh, liquid death guys at Expo West was like, you know, super fun. Um, So what would you say, like if you had a recommended kind of like division of time based on your experience, what would you say? Wow, that's a really good question. I, you know, ideally probably do 50-50. When I go to Expo anymore, I try and I really try and concentrate on seeing the innovation and the new brands. But also, I mean, I do have specific business that needs to get taken care of. But then the networking is really important. And oh, my gosh, we all missed that so much during COVID when we didn't have it. Like, I know there was a lot of talk about like, oh, you know, this is the end of trade shows. We can never do everything remotely. And there is really this huge value into connecting with people face to face. And the trade show is like, that's our chance in our industry is, you know, you you get something bigger than the parts when you get people together and, and talking. Yes, there's so much of that intangible, but also you said it perfectly, a connection that is really valuable. It's like a step out of your role, but you're still doing important work there. But then you also get this additional whatever that is. Do you think that that Division 50-50 is going to change depending on the trade show? Do you think that there are some shows that are a little bit more networky and some shows that are a little bit more buying. You don't need to tell me what they are specifically, but I'm just wondering, like in your mind, like based on the your experience, is that true? Yeah, I would say so. Just depending on the, the scope of the show, like a distributor trade show, there's going to be more buying involved because that's what the show is, where Expo, I think, used to be more of a buying show. Now it's really all about networking and then having the chance to see the innovation. So, yeah, it's it's going to be based on whatever space you're at at the time. I guess the only thing I would say, you talked about the distributor shows, you talked about like the expo. Um, What would you recommend to infra members for like the infra annual conference trade show? Like how, how would you balance something like that from, from your perspective? I know what I would say as an, as an infra employee, but. So the tabletop in, in Minneapolis, I think that's really important too. I mean, when I started as a broker, gosh, that was 2011 and, uh, there was not really a lot of awareness of who Infra was out there. But in my territory, I did have, um, I think it was seven Infra stores that I was working with. So I got more of an education right off the bat than a lot of people. And so I was hearing about your tabletop from my customers that I was calling on. And I feel like it offers so many, it offers a lot of benefits outside of just a trade show. So I think there's a benefit to attending both Infra and then additional trade shows too, because Infra is offering something specific to the infra retailer, whereas the trade shows have maybe a larger or wider scope of the education and the product offerings. And it's nice to see what else is out there because it can be relevant. 
whether or not it's specifically focused on infra. So, I mean, I tend to learn something no matter when I get together with anybody else from the industry and it can be the oddest place. And I'll be like, wow, I'm so glad I went and did that because, you know, I learned something completely new. It's like I never thought about that way. So, yeah, I think that's important, too. It's it's such a learning experience. So it is the networking. It is all of, you know, looking at the new brands, planning for what you're going to do for promotions. But I think there's so many learning opportunities at a lot of the trade shows that that's really important to take advantage of as well. So that's that's a good point. Yeah. And I think with the infra one specifically is there's the chance for your, the infra retailers to connect with other infra retailers, which is maybe a little more diffuse at, say, a distributor trade show or an expo. It's more of a stretch to try and do that. But you can really take advantage of that kind of group knowledge and uh, sharing of experience. Yeah, that is invaluable. And then, you know, we actually go out of our way to try to offer our members the ability to connect, you know, adjacent to other trade shows as well, because, you know, if we're all going to be somewhere. Um, but how do you feel? Tell me your perspective, too, on trade shows that offer educational opportunities. You know, I see a lot of that being both brand oriented. And I think for especially someone that's been in the industry for a while, like what do you have any thoughts on like what educational opportunities you would like specifically seek out or that would like drive you maybe even to attend something? I recently... I think in this perspective, the distributor perspective, I'm probably looking more at like state of the industry kind of educational opportunities just to kind of understand what's happening in other channels. You know, I'm working very specifically with infra retailers, but I like to know what's going on elsewhere because sometimes I can use that kind of information to try and, you know, build growth and and help my customers. So that that would be where I'm focused. I know I've worked with you know, some key accounts I'm thinking of when I worked with Lassen's and Josh Lassen would be like, hey, you know, he really that's why he went to a trade show. And I, that was like the first time I really started thinking about attending the educational events. Be- up until that point, it had really been as either a key account manager and, and trying to work with them specifically for deals or as a broker and working specifically with my principals. So um, thinking about the education. But Product specific, not so much for me personally, I think. But I I can definitely see that there could be a value in that. But it would really depend on your focus. I think maybe if a retailer is thinking about attending and they have buyers, you know, that are able to cover a bunch, you know, really dive into a specific category, that would be really valuable to get that kind of in-depth knowledge. Yeah, the state of the industry is actually, that makes perfect sense to me, even just from the perspective of what this is the time of year right now where we're all looking at the trend predictions. You know, we're all kind of seeing the same thing. It's just kind of interesting, for lack of a better way to put this, industry collective consciousness. So kind of thinking about what everybody else sees as sort of this like macro state, even though all of us that have been doing this for a number of years, things don't change so much. I mean, yes, the pandemic was a disruption, but we do continue to kind of talk about things in this lens of trends and consumer behavior and that kind of piece. So getting everyone's perspective is is interesting. But I, I love that you know someone that goes to trade shows just for education, just as a side note, because that's awesome. Speaking of someone that's planned trade shows in a couple iterations of her career, like, thank you. <laughs> so I guess that that's a good segue then talking about trends. So this being our January episode, looking at, you know, Expo West coming up in a few months, we'll have the annual Infra Conference. We're going to have Newtopia now coming up this year. What have you seen as some of the trends and what are you expecting to see at some of these trade shows coming up this year? Oh, goodness. 
Well, buckwheat. Buckwheat was big at Expo East, and I saw it on the Whole Foods uh, trend list for the year. Other than that, it's a good question. It's kind of a funny time where I feel like there was a lot of innovation for a while, and then I'm feeling like that's pulling back a little bit. And I just read something that that kind of mentioned that to you, that um, investment money actually is pulling back, which could benefit in the long, maybe in the long run. I feel like there was too much money coming in and maybe brands that weren't necessarily going to be able to to make it. We're getting all these investment dollars, but that's another little digression, I guess, rabbit hole I can do easily. So I'm not sure. Other than buckwheat, I don't know what what the next big thing is going to be. We keep hearing about the end of brick and mortar, but I think that they're, you know, kind of like we're talking about the connections you make at trade shows, there's connections at brick and mortar to you. And to kind of circle around, one of the things I am concentrating on is ways to figure out how to help the retailer, you know, make those connections stronger to really strengthen their relationship with the consumers. It's super easy for all of us to just jump on, you know, and order order Instacart or whatever. But there's a huge loss if we don't continue to have those brick and mortar retailers. So I'm hoping we see some focus on that in in trade shows. And honestly, the whole trade show experience is a way to to kind of make yourself better so you can compete. Yeah, I like thinking about that, too, and just like acknowledging the complications of operations, even kind of acknowledging the complications of having some amount of e-commerce platform, but continuing to focus inward. You know, it was always so hard, I think, just to operate a store. And then we asked so much of retailers in terms of both innovation and, frankly, technological aptitude in the past five years that it does seem like we are we are rife for some kind of level setting like. Where do you set some focus and how can you have kind of a minimal viable offering for the consumers in your area that, yeah, just want to do the Instacart thing, but still have some fantastic shopping experience when they realize that they forgot the half gallon of milk they needed and they're coming in your store as well. Yeah, I think an interesting thing that that came to mind, Amy, when you were talking about uh, just the end of brick and mortar, because the other thing I've heard is the end of self-checkout. So that seems to almost be the opposite, right? Because the end of self-checkout, you know, part of that is from, you know, theft and things like that. But I think, you know, one of the things the store I worked at, the reason we never went that route is because we wanted that personal connection at the checkout. Um, and I think that really keys into to what you were talking about. So I think that's just interesting to think about this holistically. You hear one thing from, you know, one outlet, but another outlet's talking about maybe the completely opposite thing. That's a good point. Like, what is the true conventional wisdom, right? Like... Or, or does it exist, right? I mean... What a good point, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we do have this kind of static playbook of like coolers in the back of the store kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, we talk all the time about how diverse our membership is, both in terms of scale and size and focus and vision and all of those things. So it also sort of, you know, all of those things could actually be true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Like conflicting. Oh, yeah, those both work. All right, Amy, when I told you we were going to talk about trade shows or even just that you were going to be on our podcast, was there anything you wanted to make sure that we got around to talking about that we did not touch on today? There are so many things to talk about trade shows. I didn't have anything specific in mind. We're gearing up for the KE trade show next month. I know that our competitor is doing the same. So a lot of people are are starting to travel. We've got fancy food this month, um, then expo right after that. So bam, bam, it's um trade show season. I personally am thinking about we're doing an infra holiday platform 
show to capture all the holiday pre-orders and stuff. So I discovered that there is now never going to be a time that I am not thinking about turkeys. So we started, we hadn't even shipped the last of the turkeys yet. And we were talking about next year's turkeys. So it's just, it's funny to me how far ahead we're all working. And I know if you talk to anybody that is not in the industry and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm planning for holiday 2024. And people are like, what? It's like, no, that's really, you know, we're all really looking into the future all the time. I love thinking about our industry that way. We're just looking to the future all the time. But no, that was a fantastic wrap up to say like, and let the trade show 2024 season begin. Here we go. Yep. Wear comfortable shoes. Wear comfortable shoes. Yeah. Also like, yeah, get the very, very helpful, pertinent and uh, like real life tip. Love this. Uh, Chris, as always, it's really nice to do a dual interview with you. Amy, it is fantastic that our paths continue to cross. And thank you so much for your time today. I hope you both have a fantastic rest of your tiny little 2023 and take care. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Angela. I so enjoyed that conversation with you, me and Amy. I can't speak enough about how phenomenal I thought it was that we talked to somebody that has worn so many hats, but also I love her plan for a trade show. But no, no, no. Balance it with fun. Make sure you're still doing the networking piece and all of the things. But I found so much of her planning tips to be actually really tactically helpful. Yeah, no, I think that is the most important thing that if you just go in, it's like I said, going to your first show wide eyed, packing things into a bag and sometimes you forget to write the deal. So I think going in with a plan is is paramount, right? Because then you get to the booths that you want to get to, you get the orders that you want to get done, and then you still have the networking and the ability to to have fun and do all the other stuff, attend education, all that kind of stuff. But the only thing she really mentioned for for trends that she thought of 2024 is buckwheat. Buckwheat 2024. This is absolutely something we need to think about this year and then come back and see how that went. When you only make one prediction, it feels like it's something that we can really hold on to and say, okay, how did how did the how did buckwheat do? And for all we know, like I've I definitely once she said it, you know, when you find that something's top of mind, I definitely saw a few other products in the marketplace that I hadn't like stood out to me as being buckwheat based. But I'm like, huh, Amy Clark might be right. Yeah. And I was in a meeting with the infra category managers and buckwheat came up as a topic. So, I mean, she's she's not far off. I think it's something we got to check out. But I think it's interesting, too, going back to the the spins trends. You know, they talked about energy and performance, regen and packaging, education and transparency. She didn't bring up buckwheat. So I'm really curious to see how this comes out. <laughs> yeah, like, I like how we had like a really good mix on this episode of very broad and very specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And to get specific, you know, we can dig in and talk a little bit more about Newtopia because next we're going to hear from uh, Angela and I's conversation with Adrian and Jessica from the New Hope Networks, the Naturalist podcast. And, you know, we dive into talking about why they started their podcast, what was the impetus for that um, and what's in store for independence at the first ever Newtopia Now trade show later this year. But first, we're going to hear from Nicole at our home and they have a portfolio of snack brands for all the snacking occasions. Hello, my name is Nicole Stefanacci and I'm the brand manager for Our Home. At Our Home, we make snacks for everyone and are known for flavorful snacks with better ingredients that satisfy every occasion and craving. Our portfolio of household favorite snack brands includes Food Should Taste Good, Pop Chips, You Need This, and Real Food from the Ground Up. With Food Should Taste Good, our tortilla chips are made with real food ingredients that deliver a signature texture and crunch so you can savor life's moments with good friends and family. Next up, we have Pop Chips where we 
we believe in the freedom to pop. Many chip years ago, we turned the potato chip world upside down. We chose heat and pressure instead of grease and the deep fryer to create the original pop. These chips are never fried and always real. Now on to real food from the ground up. These snacks are delicious, grave-worthy snacks with a plant-based twist. Made with real cauliflower to give you more of what you love, more crunch, and more bites per serving. Finally, we have our newest brand, You Need This. These snacks deliver ridiculously good taste at a great value, and here's the kicker, without the junk. Whether you are wanting to Netflix and chill at home, headed to a girls' night in, or in the car line waiting to pick up your littles from school, our home has all your snack needs covered. Find out more information on all of our snack brands at r-home.com. Our guests today are the hosts of New Hope Network's The Naturalist podcast, Jessica Rubino and Adrian Smith. Welcome and thanks for being here today, you both. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Hi. So to kick things off, let us know a little bit more about yourselves and why you guys wanted to start The Naturalist podcast. Jessica, let's start with you. Well, thank you, Chris, and thanks so much for having us. We love your podcast, so we're excited to be here and you guys got to be on The Naturalist, so it's fun to have some podcast swapping going on. But yeah, so I'm Jessica Rubino. I'm the Vice President of Content at New Hope Network. A lot of our retailers know us for Natural Products Expo, Natural Foods Merchandiser, which is our retail publication. And then we also have newhope.com, uh, which is basically the place for all things natural products industry and our newsletters and all that. So I get to oversee content across both our trade shows and conferences, as well as all of our digital content and get to work really closely with Adrian on Natural Foods Merchandiser as well. So yeah, we're excited to chat with you both. I'm Adrian Smith. So I I'm the director of content at New Hope and the editor of NFM, of Natural Foods Merchandiser. And then I also run our Nexi Awards program, which for me, I mean, that's that's obviously one of the, the best parts of my job. I get, well, really our whole team gets this incredible backstage look at thousands of product launches every year. We get to taste them. We get to try them. We get to know the companies behind them. And I think part of that was also the impetus for this, for our Naturalist podcast, you know, really bringing that insider's look, not only at the products that are cropping up on the marketplace and the latest trends, but also the companies behind them, their missions, their values, and what are some of those important values and, and hot topics in the natural products industry today. Awesome. Well, thanks. And Angela's here with us today. So Angela, did you have any questions off the cuff for Adrian and Jessica? No, I don't. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just interested in the conversation and I'm, we're absolutely, no, totally done. Uh, no, not to, not to start, but I definitely will, will uh, jump in with some of my follow-ups for sure. Cool. I just, just wanted to make sure since we're talking podcast to start. Yeah. Well, it just, you know, it's so, Adrian noted, we're seeing so many products and I love how passionate you two are about the industry too. So, you know, there is no shortage of fodder in the natural products industry when it comes to talking about products, ideas and trends and the things that are really shaping not only the CPG and retail industries, but really having an impact on the world. So 
in the Naturalist podcast, we're able to take these products and trends and founder stories and retailer stories and tie that to kind of bigger cultural issues and forces and environmental issues. So it's this really nice intersection of, you know, product and passion and purpose. And that's a lot of what we try to achieve with the Naturalist, taking all those inputs, inputs Adrian noted from Nexty Awards and our trade shows and our industry coverage and reporting. So it's always fun when we all get together because I know we're so passionate about this space and what we can share on our both of our podcasts. I think that's why we wanted to partner with, with you both as well is, you know, that's kind of been our focus with this podcast is having that retailer perspective, having that brand perspective, having even our association perspective, because a lot of us here, we're former retailers or, or have that experience. And then, you know, looping in our friends at Spins to be able to, you know, look at infra data and be able to share that with our members. So I'd say we're kind of like a, a, a micro view sometimes of what, what you guys are doing because you're really representing all retailers as well. So I absolutely love that. The one thing I want to kind of key into since this episode is around trade shows is looking at this Expo East kind of swap. So for nearly 40 years, Expo East has served as that gathering space for natural food brands, especially on the East Coast, but you know, for people all over the country. And starting next year with Newtopia Now, that's going to be taking its place and ushering in, you know, a lot of new changes, um, you know, including this brand of our matchmaking program themed to networking neighborhoods. And I've heard a lot more even from some of the information that you guys are now sharing through some of the brokerages and things like that. What do these changes mean for the independent food retailers, though? I'm wondering, like, what can they look forward to at Newtopia Now and how can this benefit independence? even more than than maybe Expo East? Well, yeah, great question, Chris, and thanks. Like you already highlighted some of the aspects of Newtopia Now that we're so excited about. And really, we built Newtopia Now for our buyer community and, of course, our independent natural retail buyers being such an important piece of that. So we did a ton of listening, a ton of learning and really just wanting to address those pain points that our buyers experience. So, you know, some of the things that we know and love about Expo East, I think we can take and bring to Newtopia now, certainly the intimacy of the event. That's something I really always love, the relationship building. And Newtopia now will really be an experience. You know, it's been designed for retail buyers to both discover their next selling conscious products, but to do that through strength and connections. And I think deepening those connections is really what it's all about. So that'll be through, as you noted, Chris, the types of networking opportunities that we've developed and the types of matchmaking opportunities and through the really actionable content that they'll find on the show floor. So one thing that I know both Adrian and I are really, really excited about is that the content will be seamlessly integrated throughout the entire trade show. So there will be stages in each of those neighborhoods. I'll share a little bit more about the neighborhoods in a second. And there will be content and demonstrations and the opportunity to really learn and do some of that professional development work while also connecting with new brands and ones that that our retailers already have relationships with. So I think the bottom line is, you know, it's about discovery, but it's really about what happens after that discovery. And for us, the center of that is those really strong relationships between the buyers and brands. So we wanted to connect and to create an event that was really able to achieve that. So 
couple of the other highlights that I'm excited about, definitely this neighborhood concept. So the show floor will be designed based on these four neighbors neighborhoods, which are Thrive. That's really about celebrating those innovations that are going to have a positive impact on human health. You know, you'll see a lot of foods, beverages and supplements that are doing really innovative things around health and helping people thrive. Then there's Represent, which is all about diversity in the CPG industry and its many forms. Regenerate, which is regenerative agriculture, sustainability, and all the things that we're seeing in the space that are supporting the planet. And then Glow, which is really about redefining the beauty industry and really bringing a conscious element to beauty. So that will be really different from anything people have experienced at our shows. We also will have a marketplace there, and the marketplace is going to be really designed like a retail environment. So that's another way to navigate the show outside of the neighborhoods where independent retail buyers will really be able to find innovations based on their categories and those specific product types that they're focused on. Finally, the content itself, I mentioned this briefly, but really actionable and strategic content for retailers. We'll have different workshops around merchandising and you know, Angela, the last time we talked, you said some great things about how to bring innovation into store and how to partner with brands on doing that. Where does it fit and how to educate consumers are on these innovations? That type of super tactical content, as well as inspiring content for our buyers. And we're bringing all of that to Utopia now. So that's just scratching the surface. But I'll stop with that because otherwise I'd go on and on and on. We don't want So yeah, we're very excited about it, Chris, and it'll have a lot for independent natural retailers. I love your excitement. I feel so much like you have this great model already, right? Expo West and Expo East are just like industry standard, fantastic trade shows. And now you are innovating in order to show off additional innovation, which I think is really interesting and meta. But I also feel like, will you tell me a little bit like, What was the driver for the change? Like, if you could just sum that up and say, like, we looked at this and the one thing that we really wanted to accomplish with Newtopia now and like this big change, like, what is that for you? First of all, I love what you just said, innovating to show off innovation, which is kind of what it was all about. I mean, it was like looking at what we've done for so long and what's been so special about that, but also again, listening to the community and our community clearly showed us that there needed to be a little bit of a change and that we needed to create an environment that was very differentiated from Natural Products Expo West, which is amazing. And that did some really unique things. I think a big piece of that is, you know, the matchmaking and the really experiential aspect of Newtopia now that we'll be able to bring. It has allowed us to think very differently about how we bring the community together. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we needed to adapt and listen to the marketplace and make some of these really positive changes for our community. I can say from being at New Hope for 15 years that this was one of the kind of key points in time when everyone from our business was able to come together and ideate and again, take that time to listen and learn and come up with some new ideas. So it's really about keeping things fresh and staying ahead of what you guys know is an ever evolving marketplace. So this will definitely allow us to do that. Yeah, just to expand on that, how did you guys 
get that data? Like, how did you get that information from retailers to figure out to go this route? Like, was it talking one-on-one? Did you guys survey? Like, how did you, you know, from, from a project management standpoint, how is the requirements gathering done? Yes, yes, yes to all of that. So we did survey work. We surveyed our audiences. And again, really key to that was our retailers. So getting feedback. We always get feedback after every trade show from our attendees, our, you know, our buyers, as well as our exhibitors. So we're constantly looking at that. So that's been a part of our process for years and years. But then we did some special survey work that was leading up to this decision. And we also have some really great working groups that we host here at New Hope. One of them is our retail collaboration group, which Angela, you've been involved with, and that's been a great place to just listen to our retailers on an ongoing basis. And a lot of that feedback also came from that. So it was a combination of surveys, one-on-one, and smaller focus groups that really led to this decision. Well, that's great. One thing, I I do want to ask some more about the neighborhoods, but uh, before I dig into that, I think one of the things I'm interested about for like the smaller independent retailers, you know, Expo East did offer that intimate, affordable way to connect and, and network and do all of that stuff. With New Hope really shifting into this model and focusing on those one-on-one connections and the matchmaking, can you tell me like a little bit more about the matchmaking? Because uh, I, you know, when I'm thinking about this, you know, I think the brands, they want to connect with, you know, making sure they're getting those orders. And that's sometimes the the bigger operations, right? These, the bigger retailers. So how do we ensure independent retailers aren't left behind in this new approach? Like, what tactics are you using? Because I'm just, I want to make sure that any of the independents listening want to make sure that when they're coming to this event, they know it's going to be valuable for them, even if they're a couple thousand square foot store. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's such a priority for us is making sure that not only are our independent natural retailers finding the types of companies that make sense for them, but also that our independent natural retailers have a platform, right? Like I've talked with our retail collaboration group members a lot about that is making sure that we're giving them the platform to show how relevant they are to these brands. So I'll answer your networking and matchmaking question in a second, Chris, but also want to share that we're going to have a series of buyer side chats where we'd love to have independent natural retail voices on those panels, which are ways to share with the community what buyers are looking for and what's special about these buyers and give them the stage. So uh, we're definitely excited to have many of those buyers be our independent natural retailers, as well as other retailers within the community. On the matchmaking and networking side of things, we're crafting a matchmaking experience that's very much going to be built on what we're doing with Beacon. So if you're familiar with Beacon, Beacon is our way for buyers to vet products based on their store standards. It's a really amazing platform that we've been working on for years. It's meant to be a tool that can support the trade show experience year round. And so we'll be working hand in hand with our Beacon team to ensure that our buyers can use the types of data that we have in Beacon to then find those companies and us to facilitate many of those connections in person through matchmaking. We've also done a hosted buyer matchmaking program for some years now through our trade shows and we'll be expanding on that. And then we'll also have these really focused networking opportunities. So you know, unlike some some networking that we've experienced before where it's a bunch of, you know, tons and tons of people in a big room. Yes, that can be great. It feels like a big party. 
we're going to focus on having much more curated experiences where we're looking at getting the right people in the room. So we did some of that experimentation at Expo East this year where we hosted dinners where we handpicked the the people that we were inviting for that and made sure that there is the right types of buyers and the right types of brands and investors based on the topic we were hosting the dinner around. So those are the types of things that you can also expect to see more of. And at the end of the day, Chris, making sure that our independent natural retailers are getting the most out of the experience is a key priority for us. And I think how we're crafting this, it just is a lot more curated every step of the way. And I think that really speaks to, you know, from our experience, what's been most beneficial to our independent natural retail community is that curate the curation that we can bring. Working with Beacon has been act amazing. I mean, we built a page on our infra site for Beacon and Beacon built an infra page for our infra members. Um, And I think that actually this is probably the year where we're really going to help them lean into using that as a show tool. And it's interesting to think about this increase in digital adoption that happened in the last couple of years in grocery. And now we're kind of seeing it at trade shows too. Like what are all the platforms and ways that we can help people navigate which like that which is overwhelming and Jessica I couldn't help but think while you were talking like yeah Beacon is great but I'm also hearing you say things like a buyer would right like we're going to curate we're going to get the right things in the right place it sort of sounded like you were merchandising like the humans and the things at the store which I I love thinking about it that way actually and it will speak to everyone that you have that message for because that's what people do on a daily basis no, oh, I love that. Yeah, that, that that is funny. I saw you smiling. I'm like, I wonder what she's thinking over there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this, like, this little retail environment, this microcosm. <laughs> yeah, no, I like thinking about that both ways, though. I, I hear that you are like keeping the human touch. And I and so thank you. I, I actually am, you know, kind of thinking about how we're going to be talking to members, even at Expo West, you know, letting them know that this is a great idea for them. And like, cool new experiment during the summer. And it's like, yeah, you've got this cool technological platform, but you also have these amazing humans behind the scenes at New Hope that are that are really like having you front of mind as they put these these events together. I love that you see that, Angelix, you abs- that that is exactly it, right? Like you have to marry the technology and the process with the human element and the experiences and the relationships. And that's really what makes the magic happen. Again, as if you were starting a grocery store, that that description would have worked so beautifully. <laughs> totally. I, I think the you guys having the product showcase, too, I think, you know, for me working in stores, I like to go to other stores to see what they're carrying and see, you know, what what other stores, how they're merchandising. So being able to have a place where buyers can go in and actually see the product on a shelf is is like that going to your competitor and see what they're doing. Um, so I love that experience. The, the next thing I want to dig into is the Nexty Awards, because I know the Nexties were Expo East and Expo West, and they've really focused on like latest emerging trends in natural food space. But not all of these brands will make sense, you know, in a product mix for the Nexties. So how can independent food retailers make informed decisions about which products truly have staying power? So do you have any advice for retailers wondering how to navigate new products at shows like even Expo West? And then what similar kind of tools or resources for for Newtopia Now? Will you be continuing Nexty Awards or something similar for Newtopia Now? Or or what are some of the other things maybe beyond Beacon that are like highlighting some of the, the, the biggest and best things for people to look at? Um, well, I'm really glad you mentioned Beacon because I think that's that's an obvious one. 
but also the Nexties. I mean, I think you kind of answered your own question. I think the Nexties are such a great tool for retailers to help them navigate these shows. And I think what makes them so unique is that um, the Nexties offer a perspective that goes beyond just, you know, the next and innovative and cool products and trendy. And But it's also about brands that have these strong social environmental commitments. They have these deeper values. So they're not as much flash in the pan um, trends. I mean, some of them obviously are, but I think it really gives retailers the opportunity to look beyond just the new and next and really see what the values are that are holding that brand up and also be able to see how those values mesh with their own values in terms of what they want to put on store shelves or what they want to communicate to their customers. So, you know, when the Nexties come in, I, I just to give it a little plug, you know, we usually have well over a thousand products to, to vet and we're reading every single nomination, every single application, looking at all of those different things. Are they a B Corp? Are they organic? All those things. So, you know, in a lot of ways, we're, we're doing that kind of pre-selection process that I think really helps narrow down the list um, when retailers get to the show and it's so overwhelming. I think that's a great first step. And then also, of course, Jessica mentioned the buyer side chats before Expo, also a great resource, although a lot of that is kind of aimed at brands as well to have a good experience at the show. And then we're going to be doing a lot of retail education in Natural Foods Merchandiser. And that will also, before the show, kind of highlight some of the things that retailers can do to really get the most out of the show. Really, again, with that focus on independent natural retailers. No, that's that's great. So is there going to be a Nexty Awards at Newtopian or is there an award or something similar to that? Well, I mean, I don't think you probably want a spoiler, do you? Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, we want to do. <laughs> we want we want no. to be the place where you spoil. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm sorry to say that we don't have a spoiler yet because we're still you know, working on some of that. I can say that the Nexties at Expo West, you know, the Nexties, as you know them, have always been associated with the trade shows with Expo West, Expo East. And so we are going into Expo West. We're really excited. We're blowing up the Nexties. We had 20 categories last year. We're going to have 35 categories, bringing in a lot of really exciting new products, you know, an emphasis on conscious beauty, on non-alcoholic adult beverages, even on alcoholic beverages, packaged um, produce. So categories that we've never done before and also really trying to organize it a little bit more like what you said about seeing things on store shelves, a little bit more in buyer-friendly categories, always keeping in mind that, you know, impact, innovation, integrity of those products. Um, And so at Newtopia now, I think there's an opportunity. I mean, Jessica said the word connection a million times when she was talking. We're talking about connection, community. So I think whatever happens, whatever iteration of Nexties or whatever it will be at Newtopia now, will really be looking at that people element, the human element, the connections, the community, and the people that have had a really important impact on that. So I think that that is the spoiler. Cool. I I, I was... Waiting to see if you had another award set up with another uh, unique name like the Nowsies or something like that. Um, <laughs> the Nowsies. Yeah, but we'll like see. It. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> That's interesting when you think about trends. Like these are good now. And then our second set of awards, we're thinking next. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So Adrian, one thing that you said though about making even the nexties more buyer centric, like buyer focused, that the thing I was kind of interested about with the neighborhoods is like by breaking a lot of the, so it's going to be, I, I think about this from like being a grocery buyer versus a wellness buyer. If, if each of these neighborhoods are going to be mixed, are you still going to keep things focused for the different types of buyers, even within the neighborhood? So if I'm a wellness buyer and I go into Glow and then I go into Regenerate, is it going to be easy for me to find the brands that I'm buying for? Or is it going to be so mixed up within some of these neighborhoods? It's going to be more hunting and pecking for for some of that stuff. That's That was one thing I was curious about. Yeah, no, great question. And that's really where the marketplace is going to come into play. So the marketplace is going to be a separate activation within the trade show that is going to be organized based on buyer categories. So there's basically going to be a few ways that a retailer could navigate by the neighborhoods, which are a little bit more conceptual and based on areas of interest and where they can find, for the most part, all product categories or most product categories uh, represented throughout those. But then to your point, absolutely, we know that buyers want to be able to find the specific product types and categories that they buy for. And so that's where we created the marketplace. We're also working on some really cool wayfinding tools and technologies that will allow for people, for buyers to go check something out and be, oh, that product looks interesting in the marketplace. Which neighborhood can I find them in? Or what type of presentation or different sponsorship is this company involved with? Are they sampling somewhere? Are they demoing? So wayfinding is going to be a huge component of this. So and having that more traditional category buyer way of identifying and discovering products while also being a lot more creative and inventive with what we do with the show floor space. So it's really a yes. And there's going to be lots of different ways to find, discover and connect. And the marketplace really will achieve what you're speaking to. Awesome. So when you say marketplace, is that digital marketplace or is that like in person? I'm just trying to picture like being in this space. Yeah, it'll be in person and it's something that we're building specifically for this event. Yeah. And it'll be a showcase of products based on category. And any company that's exhibiting and has an activation at Newtopia will also be represented in the marketplace. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think with something new, it's, you know, with the retailer's going to to a new event, it's like, well, what am I walking into? A bunch of new stuff. It's a totally different vibe. So I think the more that we can, you know, articulate some of those things and give people comfort that, the, uh, you know, on an event like this, that's, I think, will, will be very helpful. I think, Chris, the reality of it is like, we'll continue to roll out more really specific details over the coming months. And it's brand new. And I can really say, like, from experience going to lots of shows and being part of New Hope for a long time, it's going to be completely original and unique to anything that certainly that we've done, anything that I've seen, and I would imagine anything that buyers have experienced. So, you know, there's also a little bit of a taking a leap of faith to be a part of something that's really new and help us co-create what it is in the future. So, we can give lots of details. And at the end of the day, I think showing up and being a part of something special and new is going to be um, something that I can't wait to do with our retailers. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything when we asked you to, 
to be on the show that we didn't cover yet that you'd want to chat about quick before we sign off? I think the last thing is just that we're always looking for new ways to partner with independent natural retailers. We so appreciate the perspectives and insights and conversations and friendships that we have with this community. And that's why we're really looking at the evolution of Natural Foods Merchandiser, which has always been the trade publication for the natural retail community, and that that brand is still so important to us. And so Adrian mentioned briefly some of the things that we're doing under that brand. We'll have a retail education series. It's a webinar series that we're rolling out next year that'll be education focused on the topics that we've heard are most top of mind for our retailers. We, of course, have the naturalist, which is a way to stay ahead of all the products and trends and ideas that we're seeing. And then our retail collaboration group, which is very much, you know, the the place to and the time to just get together and ideate and talk and share pain points and and wins and all the things that retailers are going through. So we're really excited about all of that. In addition to, of course, Expo West, which is so important for all of our retailers to to be there at Expo West. And we can't wait to see everyone there and then our new show. So um, I think my main thing would just be like knowing how important this community is to us and how much we appreciate what you all do and that these retailers continue to be both the gatekeepers of quality and integrity and also the innovators and ones bringing these first to market ideas to their store shelves. So we just so appreciate all of that of from our retailers. So, yeah. And please like and, and, you know, rate and subscribe to The Naturalist because we love doing it and we love your podcast. So thank you so much for having us on today. Absolutely. I feel like we should plan to check in after Newtopia now based on this conversation. That would be really fun. But thank you so much. Thank you for your time and super excited to see what happens this year. Thank you so much, Angela and Chris. Pleasure talking to you as always. Next episode, we'll be celebrating Black History Month, focusing on Black farmers. We'll be hearing from Olowo Njo Chala, the founder and CEO of Alafia, and Kim and I sit down with Angela of 40 Acres Farm Co-op. As we wrap up this episode of The Buyer's Desk, we'd like to extend our heartfelt thanks to the incredible Infra staff contributors, dedicated independent retailers, and visionary natural food brands and business partners that made this episode possible. Stay tuned for more inspiring insights and stories in the world of natural food retail. Until next time, thank you for your support. Angela Bozo, co-host and administrator. Chris Sorensen, co-host and producer. Kim Rauch, executive producer and segment contributor. Jim Olson, SPINS segment manager. Austin Hinkle, audio engineer. Lauren Bartel, brand planner and segment contributor. Matt Olson, produce aficionado and segment contributor. Madeline Ware, marketing writer, editor, and digital manager. Haley Craig, outreach manager. Brandon Kittredge, trade show interviewer. Jesse Rock, segment contributor. 